Wake up with the morning tailgate with Clay Baker. Weekday mornings from 7 to 10 on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, KRLB Las Vegas. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation. Another day here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. My man, Demond Cotton. In the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, holding it down. I'm here at the house as uh, I was over at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Studio just a little while ago. A little HQ action as Joshua Daniels met with the media a little bit later on this afternoon. Media members will have an opportunity to check out summer practice and then also uh, get a little bit of uh, get a little practice time as far as uh, well locker room action following practice and then also talk to Derek Carr and Devontae Adams at the podium but today the Raiders are going through a walkthrough so not a whole lot of going on as far as the practice goes on and at this point of the season it's more or less just the stretching period that you get to check out take a few pictures and videos of Uh, it's late in the season so a lot of guys aren't doing a whole lot of anything and they have to manage what they're doing especially the next couple weeks as the Raiders play on Sunday against the Chargers and in four short days travel to L.A. and take on the Rams. So they really got to manage what the guys' workload looks like in the next week and a half or so. And so uh, today, not a whole lot going on except we're talking to head coach Josh McDaniels. So I made a beeline from HQ over to the house. And like I said, DeMond Cotton's back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. But as we traditionally do each and every Wednesday, we start to turn the page from the game that we just saw, which obviously was the Raiders' overtime victory over the Seattle Seahawks, and start to turn our attention to the next team up on the schedule. And that's exactly what we're going to do. The L.A. Chargers come to town on Sunday at Legion Stadium. Very excited about another opportunity to be back at Legion Stadium. Seems like we haven't been there forever. It's only been a couple of weeks. But, man, I'll tell you, when you go a couple of weeks back-to-back uh, without being in Allegiant Stadium, it feels like it's been forever since you've been there. So uh, excited about the opportunity to be back at Allegiant Stadium. Excited to have the opportunity to go through Q's kickoff again, which is, of course, the pregame to the pregame show leading into JT the Brick and Eric Allen for the official pregame show, which will lead into Jason Horowitz, uh, who you heard earlier today on JT the Brick show, and also Lincoln Kennedy for the official call of the game. It kicks off at 125 right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. So as we turn the page, we start to get our first preview on the Chargers, and you want to talk about a team. I don't want to sit there and call them lucky because it sounds disrespectful, and you know there was times last season when the Raiders got victories that you kind of looked at and said, how in the hell did they do that? And, you know, we've kind of labeled it as there was a little bit of luck that had to do with that. And I know some people think that, oh, it's just disrespectful. It's really good play. Well, the Chargers, they found ways to win games. They haven't, it hasn't been pretty. It hasn't been, you know, like pleasing to the eyes. It hasn't been the most skilled at times. Sometimes they get a lucky bounce. I mean, let's just be honest about it. There's been a couple games where a bounce went one way or the other, and it went their way, and they were able to come up with the victory. They were a team that, as the Raiders were, uh, highly anticipated to have a big-time season with all the players that they brought in, all the free agents that they brought in. So the expectations were very high, and they've just been okay. Right? I mean, I know they've been better than the Raiders record-wise as far as the, the you know actual record as the Chargers have six wins and the Raiders only have four, but 
they haven't really been that much better, right? I mean, it's really been the Kansas City Chiefs and, and, and them. Like my man Raider Fish at Berkeley would say, Josh and them, it's been the Chiefs and them as far as the rest of the AFC West goes. So we'll start to turn our attention to the Chargers and to get our first little look at them. Ryan Dyrude from the Believe Podcast Network, LA Football Network. He'll join us at 2.30 just to start to get a little bit of a conversation about the Chargers, who's in and who's out as of right now. That could change, obviously, throughout the course of the week, and, and we'll get another preview tomorrow and close things out on Friday from Buffalo Wild Wings. But uh, Ryan Dyrude will join us at 2.30 again to talk all things Chargers. They're banged up, riddled with so many guys that are, are just out, right? And, and they brought in so many dudes, and there's so many dudes that are still out on the injury list and, and aren't going to come back, like a J.C. Jackson, for example, you know, a guy that I was very high on, thought that the Raiders should make the move for. Well, luckily for the Raiders, they didn't because J.C. Jackson has missed the majority of the season and is out the rest of the season. You know, guys like Mike Williams, Keenan Allen has missed a lot of the season. I mean, there's just been one guy injured after that. Joey Bosa has been out. It's just been so many injuries. So we'll talk to Ryan at 2.30 about the Chargers, talk about the injury situation, talk about the situation in, in general with the team. You know, what's he expecting as far as what he thinks the team's going to look like as they enter Allegiant Stadium coming up on uh, on Sunday. So uh, that'll be at 2.30. We kick things off then. At 3.30, Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. She'll join the show as she does each and every Wednesday. And we'll talk all things UNLV. And I know, DeMond, this will be one that you're very excited to talk about because, well, there's a lot of, con- not controversy, but a conversation going on right now around the UNLV program when it comes to the football team with Marcus Arroyo uh, being relieved of his duties on Monday. And so now uh, you take a day to kind of, you know, respect coach and respect what he was able to do and what he wasn't able to do. And now it's like, okay, full steam ahead, who's going to be the next guy? Because that's what Eric Harper, the AD, has to come up with. And there's a lot of names that are floating around there, DeMond, and I don't know if you've had your ear to the street or not, but is there anybody that you're hearing that's on the horizon for the UNLV job? Or is there anyone out there on the, for, the horizon, or for the UNLV job that you would like to get the job? I think Ed Graney, when he put the um, name in our head on Monday, that's all I've been fixated on ever since. When he said Gary Patterson, mm-hmm. I've heard some other names from people. And, like, you see all the tweets going around. There, I even saw some tweets from UNLV alumni. Hey, if Colorado can offer Prime the job, why can't we? You know, so, but Gary Patterson, that's the name where I say, hmm, that's the, hey, if they can make that happen, I think that that's a program changer. I do, too. I really do. And I don't know, I don't think he'd be there very long. I was actually on ESPN Las Vegas this morning, uh, the press box with Tyler Bischoff and Ed Graney. And they asked me my thoughts on Prime. And I said, well, that would be fun just to, you know, to cover them. Uh, but as far as just kind of turning the program around immediately, not saying that Prime couldn't do that, and I know that he would get a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of recruits' attention, I just think that GP would, would be able to get it done, uh, be able to kind of – you know, build the house and then bounce because look, he's not a guy that's going to stay at UNLV a long time. He's a power five dude. He's always been a power five guy for the most part, right? I mean, and he's right now an assistant at the University of Texas, which, oh, by the way, pays a lot of money to be an assistant, right? Not even to be the guy, but just to be an assistant on that staff, you're going to get paid a whole lot of money. So I think that his end goal is to get back to a power five, but I can see him making a stop at UNLV for a few years and trying to build that thing up. I, I would be intrigued, very intrigued by Gary Patterson. So we'll talk to Paloma Villacana, all things uh, UNLV, their head football coach, Search. We'll also talk about the men's basketball team, who is 7-0 on the season, got a game coming up on Saturday against San Diego, and just kind of what her expectations. I saw her tweet out a picture the other day saying, uh, here's where I'm going to be for the next you know few months, and it was the Thomas and Mack Center. So that's where she'll be bunkered down in. We also got the uh, report today that the, when the Aces start their upcoming season, so it seems like they just won the championship and they had the parade on, on, the, on the strip. 
Well, their season's right around the corner as well, so we'll talk to her about that. That's coming up at 3.30, Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. Doug Kide from Pro Football Focus, he'll join us at 4 o'clock, and it's so funny how things happen, man. I mean, I, I didn't I, – we'd like to talk to Doug a few times, you know, probably a few – I don't know, once a month or once or a couple times a month, whatever the case may be. It's not a whole often that we talk to Doug, but he put out a piece on free agents and the guys that have made the most money for themselves when it comes to free agency. And, of course, when it comes to guys that are going to be free agents, top of mind, is Josh Jacobs. Well, in Doug's piece, he was the number one guy that made himself the most money so far this season. So we'll talk to Doug about, you know, what he's done, what he's seen, how the big market that is the running back free agency list, because it is a very long, lengthy list, how that's going to impact what's going to happen, you know, what could happen with Josh Jacobs and how much money he'll make. And then also a couple other uh, free agents that were on that list that they had. Nice little nice little write-ups on all these guys. Uh, I have a couple guys that I want to ask him about that potentially maybe the Raiders are going to look at in the offseason. So Doug Kide from Pro Football Focus will join us at 4 o'clock. And then at 4.30... Adam Hill from ESPN Las Vegas and the RJ. He'll close things out fresh out of the, the Raiders locker room. Again, they have the open locker room from about 3.15 to 4 o'clock today, uh, really a l- little bit later than normal. So Adam Hill will join us at 4.30. And uh, Vinny Bonsignor is going to be in the locker room as well, and he may send us over some sound from the locker room. So if he does, we'll turn that around and get that on the air as we usually like to do. So uh, just kind of know that that could be on the on the way as well. But Adam Hill will definitely join us at 4.30. So a lot to get to on today's show. Very excited about the guests and oh by the way we'll have some sound bites from head coach Joshua Daniels as well as we met with him around noon today uh, at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center so that'll be around three o'clock we hear from uh, head coach Joshua Daniels so Ryan Dyrude at 2 30 talking Chargers head coach Joshua Daniels at three Paloma Villacana Fox 5 Sports at 3 30 talking some UNLV Doug Kide Pro Football Focus talking some free agency at four and Adam Hill ESPN Las Vegas and the RJ closing us out at 4 30 with some locker room uh, sound and uh, anticipated as well so now you know the guests that are coming up on the show today let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive the opening drive of unnecessary roughness on raider nation radio 920 is brought to you by southern nevada chevy dealers home of the chevy silverado the strongest most advanced silverado ever and i like to always throw out a topic i always like to have a a question in hand and sometimes we stick to that question sometimes we get a little off 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 track and that's okay that's what we do here that's what we appreciate uh hearing from you raider nation as we do on the daily at 702-365-9200 and of course our text line which is not newly sponsored it's now the don'tbebroke.com text line. Check that out. Brought to you by the DLC. Don'tbebroke.com text line. You like that? I like that ring to it right there. So shout out to the DLC for uh, for hitting us up and uh, and sponsoring the text line as we are very busy and very active when it comes to the text line. So again, don'tbebroke.com text line 69187 keyword R&R. Same way that you always send the text to us. Uh, make sure you use 69187 for the number. Literally put that in there for the phone number. And then before you send us your message, put the letters R-N-R, those three initials, R-N-R, space, whatever you want to say. When you do that, the message will get to us, and then you'll get a return message saying thanks for hitting us up or thanks for listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. I know sometimes people forget the keyword R&R, and they'll go to our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, and all of a sudden Cofield will say, 
Uh, what do you mean, Josh Jacobs? What are we talking about, Josh Jacobs? I wasn't talking about Josh Jacobs. I was talking about the Pac-12 championship or something like that. And so he won't know what's going on. We won't get your message, and we won't be able to get it on uh, and, and contribute it to the show. So we want to make sure that we hear from you on the don'tbebroke.com text line, again, brought to you by the Dollar Loan Center, 69187, keyword R&R. So, Damon, I'll ask with you, or I'll start with you, as the, the we start to turn the page and we start to look forward to the L.A. Chargers. And, you know, it's exciting with the Raiders riding a two-game winning streak, winning the games in overtime, having walk-offs. This is fun. This is fun to anticipate what you're going to start to see on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium when the Chargers come to town. Of course, the Raiders played them week one. That team that played them week one looks a lot different now. The Chargers team that played the Raiders week one looks a lot different than it did now uh, then. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's two different teams, no doubt about it. But when you look at this Chargers team, who are you most concerned about? in this game. We'll do keys to victory and what we're looking for on Friday, but I just want to know who are you most concerned about? Like who kind of, I don't want to say worries you because that sounds like too over the top, but who do you have the most concern when it's like, okay, if the Raiders don't stop this guy, it could be a long day at the office. Their leader in rushing attempts and receptions, Austin Eckler. I do think that the first game, he didn't have that big of a game, only around 40 rushing yards, four receptions. But I do think that he's gotten some steam as the seasons went along, and he's going to be scary, especially we saw him in the Saints. Alvin Kamara, he had a great game. I'm not saying that the Chargers are going to steal the game plan from the Saints, but, hey, it's a little bit scarier what a receiving back can do to the Raiders. Okay, I like that. And Eckler is a guy that you definitely have to pay attention to. And he does, like you said, he does a little bit of everything, right? He catches the ball. He runs the rock. I mean, he, he's, he could be that guy. He could be a game wrecker. But I'm going to look at the other side of the ball. I really am. And I think that the Raiders' defense is going to kind of figure things out. Are they going to be lights out? Absolutely not. Is Justin Herbert going to get his? Absolutely. Right? Is Austin Eckler going to get his? Sure. I've kind of conceived that already, right? I've already kind of said, okay, that's going to happen. But – the one guy that I'm going to pay attention to, and we actually talked about him just the other day, and I know that he doesn't have his running buddy in uh, Joey Bosa like he did week one against the Raiders, but I'm going to talk about Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack is the one who concerns me the most in this game. If you remember week one, and again, I know he had Joey Bosa across from him. Uh, that, was, that was concerning, you know, those bookends getting after Derek Carr. Uh, he did a really good job in week one, right? He made Derek Carr's life really miserable. And Khalil Mack gets up for these games, right? He definitely gets up to play the Raiders. And I know it's not the hatred that he had when he got traded to the Bears. I know all that storyline. I know that's not there anymore. And Derek Carr, of course, is, you know, one of his really good friends. But at the same time, he wants to get after Derek Carr. He wants to make Derek Carr's life miserable. And D.C. knows that, right? I'm sure when the media talks to D.C. and and Devontae Adams today, I'm sure the name Khalil Mack's going to come up. Right? I mean, without being there, I'm sure someone's going to say, well, what do you think? Khalil Mack's coming to your house this time. Right? I'm sure that question or something, that, that some kind of reference will come up about Khalil Mack. But in that week one game, man, he was basically the finisher, the closer. Even when the Raiders had an opportunity to go down the field and possibly tie the game or win the game, who came up with the strip sack? Khalil Mack did. Right? And, of course, we've been blessed that we've been seeing Max Crosby come up with some big plays, and he was a, a finisher in his own way on Sunday against the Seahawks, even though it wasn't game over after Max Crosby came up with his big plays. But he gave the Raiders opportunities offensively to go and win that game with that Josh Jacobs walk-off. So, uh, for me, my biggest concern is how is that Raiders offensive line, which all five of the starters last week played 100% of the snaps. There was no rotation. There was no, okay, wait, this isn't working. Let's move this guy. Let's move that guy. Let's bring in Mumford. Let's move Illuminor. There was none of that. There was Colton Miller, Dylan Parham, Andre James, Alex Bars, and Jermaine Illuminor. 
all, what, 77 snaps? They played all 77 snaps, 100% of the snaps as far as the offensive line goes. And Thayer Mumford came in as, a, you know, the, the extra tight end, the sixth uh, offensive lineman, the jumbo package. He came in for a handful of snaps. Can those same five, can they hold it down in this game against Khalil Mack? Because we have seen, as we very well know, and I know this was in his prime when he was younger, when he was first with the Raiders, even if he didn't have a bookend guy, he could still wreck a game. So that's really a guy that I'm paying the most attention to is what are the Raiders' offensive line? Is Colton Miller going to hold it down and, and be able to keep uh, Derek Carr uh, clean in the pocket? You know, is he going to move around the offensive line? Is someone like Jermaine Illuminor going to be tasked with having to, you know, try to keep Derek Carr clean? I mean, where, where is the pressure going to come from, and how is that offensive line going to hold up? So when I look at concern for this game, and we'll talk to Ryan Dyrude uh, from the Believe Podcast Network, L.A. Football Network, coming up at 2.30. We'll ask him about the pass rush. We'll ask him about Khalil Mack. Of course, we'll talk Austin Eckler. My biggest focus as of right now is that dude number 5'2", Khalil Mack, for the charges. But Raider Nation definitely want to hear from you. 702-365-9200. Also, the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Who are you most concerned about in this game Sunday versus Chargers? Let's go out to the phone lines real quick and talk to our good friend Fargo Raider. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, Kieran DeMond, thanks for taking my call. Um, I, got, I got two points to make here. <laughs> Nation. You are cold as a North Dakota winter, man. Damn. Y'all trying to trade away anybody in the stable for just grasping at straws. Look, I'm not going to trade Waller or or Renfro, even if they gave us a first-round pick, because we'd find a way to screw that up. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. I know the grass looks greener on the other side, but you're going to go and get that guy that you guys are all saying whoever it is, to get. And then when he comes, he doesn't show up year one, you're going to say, trade him. What the hell are we doing, Nation? Be patient. If a man is injured, let him get let him get fully healthy. That kind of nonsense, all that pressure, rushing people back is why players get injured and then don't ever return in full form. Let them come back full. Look, I want to win. I want to win a, a Super Bowl. It doesn't have to be this year. If Waller's healthy next year or year three with with Renfro and with Jacobs, hopefully, and Adams, if we win the year two, year three, I don't give a damn. I want to I want to go and celebrate a Super Bowl with my kids, you know? So why are we going to trade away a, a superstar player? We're not going to get the, the return that we should. And you got you got to let the man play. <laughs> now, on, the, on the people that are comparing Hunter and <clears throat> Waller, talking about values and this and that and the other. Let me break it down like this. It's just a perception thing. Everybody's kind of butthurt because Waller was at the Padres game. Waller's been courtside while Hunter's been home with his family nice and quiet. A man can live his life outside of work. We all have jobs and we all do things outside of, out of work. If you're hurt at work, nobody's expecting you to stay your ass home and not go to the bar and not go nowhere. You have that freedom. That's their job. You gotta separate that from the from the player. The player, if he's not a hundred percent, I don't want him on the field getting hurt or or not being able to go a hundred on the field. Now, what and and that's what I'll say about that. Now, what concerns me about the Chargers <laughs> that that Jared Cook man, we know how much dirt he would do for us, and I hate to see him do dirt for other guys. And that's what, that's what worries me, man. Thank Jared you for taking Cook. my call. You have a great day. 
Thank, thank you, my man. He said Jared Cook right there. I, I had to get through the weeds to get to the answer there. He said Jared Cook. All right, that's that's a good one right there. And I'll, I'll say this. I'm not going to go back to Waller and Renfro and that whole conversation we had on yesterday's show. But my man Fargo Raiders slept on that one all night. That was one of those. <laughs> I respect that, man. That's one of those where you just think about it all night. It keeps you up. It's like you're, you're rolling over in bed and like, ooh, that just drives me up a wall. I can't wait to get the opportunity to talk about that. That's the first thing I'm going to do when I get up in the morning. I'm going to talk about this. So uh, I ain't mad at you, Fargo. I ain't mad at you. I understand that one. That one set, set some kind of way with you. My man, my man, with, I have those days. I ain't joking. I have those days, my man, where I'll go to bed and I'll be thinking about something and then all of a sudden I'll wake up in the morning it'll still be on my mind and I might not even sleep at night. So I, I ain't even <laughs> mad at you. I, was, I didn't know where you're going at first and then I realized the conversation that we had yesterday. But uh, there you go, man. Definitely appreciate the call. Appreciate the passion. My man PE in North Carolina said, here we go again. <laughs> no, we ain't. We're not going again, PE. Trust me on that one. He just had to get that one off his chest. Like I said, feel some kind of way. I'm not mad at that at all. 702-365-9200. Let's get another call in real quick. Who we got, Damon? Hardcore Raider. Hardcore. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, what's up, Q? Hey, do you remember the first year uh, we played the Bears after Cleo Mack left the Raiders? Yes, that was London, right? The London game, right? It was, and uh, you know Cleo Mack got his uh, his little tushy uh, slid right off Josh Jacobs. Uh, do you remember how many yards Josh Jacobs ran for that game? I remember he had a monster game, and Trent Brown and and John Gruden in particular made sure that Cleo Mack didn't wreck the show, wreck the game. That's right, and he had 123 yards and two touchdowns. All right, he tore that game up, dude. I I, I do believe he got injured, if I remember right. I want to say maybe it was his back or something, but. Uh, it was actually that play that uh, Mac tried to tackle him, and he slid off him. But you know, Mac's a great player. But you know, it's just kind of ironic, you know. And you look how things come full circle. So we got Josh Jacobs with the first draft pick from the Cleo Mac trade, and uh, you know, I, I want to see Josh Jacobs tear up Cleo Mac, dude. I, I know your question is who am I afraid of, but yeah, you know, no, who I mean, you're concerned about? What, what's what's your biggest yeah, concern just, in this there, game? Well, there were, straight up Derwin James, man, because okay. he's a stud. I mean, I want I wanted him in the draft, but. You know, here's here's what I want to say about Derek Carr and Derwin James, right? Okay. Something that I've complained about as a card critic at times is that he stares down wide receivers too long, and sometimes his mechanics, were like, he's not faking the handoffs to the play action, uh, like the same repetition, and, like, you know, he's not selling the fake sometimes uh, good enough. However, I did see improvements with Gruden, and I feel like I've seen a lot of, like, really, really good improvements with, uh, you know, Carr this year. If you look at... That um, Amir uh, uh, Amir Abadola uh, touchdown. You know wh- yeah. what did you notice from Derek Carr during that play? He uh, he looked one way and he came back to Amir, but he had to have he have had the time to get that ball off. You're right. You're right. He did have to have the time, but he he wasn't staring him down. Right. So the point is, like you know, I, I want to see Carr, you know, be able to sell the fake, and you know that's the only way I think it, it, he's got to do something similar to that for us to have a successful day. And we may have to dump the pass off quick, you know, if they're going to have Khalil Mack rushing, which means then you're going to have to throw it, you know, to Foster Moreau. Hopefully he's working on his hand drills and stuff a little bit more. But, you know, I want to see the, the middle of the field. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to see our fullback get some action. I know he dropped the catch, but, um, you know, if, if they're going to play things like that, man, that middle of the field is going to be open. So, you know, it, it does scare me with Derwin James and, you know, some of the defensive backs they got, but, uh, you know, that just leaves other opportunities for other guys. So, appreciate cool. you. 
Hey, good stuff, good stuff. Derwin James, great answer right there. I love J- Derwin James, really good answer. Jared Cook, really good answer. That's what I'm looking for today. Uh, it doesn't have to be, you know, defend or, uh, you know, argue my, my guy that I was talking about I'm most concerned about. It, it doesn't have to be, you know, argue your point. Uh, and it's definitely not going back to the Waller Renfro conversation. Just want to know who you're most concerned about in this game Sunday versus the Raiders. Uh, Q, I just want to add, Jared Cook has not taken a snap for the Chargers this season. Oh, he has it. I did not know that. Okay, I wasn't aware of that. What is uh is he is he out too? I well, I guess I'll find out in a couple minutes from Ryan Dyrud. So he's out. Yeah, he's out. Um, I think that he's still on the roster. I don't know if it's injury, but I looked at Spotrack and he's still there. Um, but it could be injury. I don't want to say that he's off the team. Right. But no, no snaps. He hasn't okay. recorded a stat for the Chargers this season. Okay. Well, I know he's getting a little bit older, so yeah, that'll be one of the first questions that we asked to Ryan, and that's my fault for not even uh, realizing that he hadn't taken a snap this. Well, I guess then that's one guy, one less guy to have to worry about Fargo. So there you go. I uh, got a text from the five three zero. Herbert is mobile and a gunslinger. Plus, the jar- Chargers go for it a lot on fourth downs. I'm concerned about our defense as I do every week. Very good. I like that one. Great answer right there. Going for it on fourth down. That's that's something that concerns me is them going for it on fourth down because you know that they're going to go for it on fourth down. And more times than not, especially, you know, depending on the, the down and distance, which you feel like, at least I feel like, it's going to be short distance, they're going to have a great chance of getting it, right? Whenever it's like fourth and one, I honestly believe that teams are going to get it every time if they go for fourth and one, right? Now, again, we can argue what play call you do on fourth and one, but uh, I think depending on on the situation, on, on the, the, the down and distance and the, the, the place that you are on the field, you should probably go for it more times than not. But that's, you know, that's not me being analytical. That's just me trying to, you know, look at the, the body of the game and how the flow of the game is going. And if something really good is going well, then it feels like that they probably could go ahead and do that. So that's a good one right there. Uh, East Bay Raider Gray hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line and said, my main concern is stopping Austin Eckler. He seems to be the bulk of L.A.'s offense. They move him around uh, a lot for mismatches. If we can't limit his impact on the game, it should, be free, it, it should free up linebackers to get to the quarterback rather than putting them into coverage. Again, that's East Bay, Raider Gray. Definitely something to pay attention to as well. Austin Eckler, as uh, my man Damon brought up. So uh, there you go. That gets us started. You can hit us up, 69187, keyword R&R. Again, that's the don'tbebroke.com text line brought to you by the Dollar Loan Center, the DLC. Who are you most concerned about this game Sunday versus the Raiders as the Chargers come to town? Let us know your answer when we come back. We'll talk to Ryan Dyrud, Believe Podcast Network, LA Football Network. We'll talk all things Chargers. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. I mean, you go back, you're trying to gather as much information as possible. They're doing the same thing, I would assume. And you're just trying to, from there, formulate the best game plan in terms of who they have now, who they're playing with now, and then go from there. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Question we threw out there to you. Who are you most concerned about in this game Sunday? Versus Chargers. That's the question that we ask on the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword R&R. Let those answers continue to roll in. Joining us now on the phone lines to talk about the L.A. Chargers is our good friend Ryan Dyerud from the Believe Podcast Network, also the L.A. Football Network. And, Ryan, thanks so much for your time. We do appreciate you. And it's funny, we had someone uh, respond to that question and say, Jared Cook, and I think that they meant Gerald Everett. And I rolled with it because I know Jared Cook used to be there and then realized my man DeMond pointed out that he's not on the roster right now 
now, but Gerald Everett is, and he's a guy that killed the Raiders in week one this season. Uh, how's Gerald Everett looking this season so far? Yeah, what's up, Q? Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. And, yeah, uh, Jared Cook was there last year. Yeah. No longer there. Gerald Everett this year has, uh, you know, he's had a pretty solid year. Uh, definitely his, I think, best performance of the season came in week one. Obviously, last week had that two point. He was the you know the, the receiving end of the two point conversion that won the game for the Chargers. So he's been a, definitely a, a threat in the offense and definitely a target for uh, Justin Herbert. But you know, I wouldn't say the consistency is kind of where it's been lacking in the tight end position. Is just seeing him be that consistent you know sixty, seventy, eighty yard guy week in and week out. But definitely has the ability to put games together and obviously did it week one. And before we continue to kind of deep dive into this upcoming game, I just wanted to get the overall temperature of the fan base of everyone there in L.A. when it comes to the Chargers because similar to the Raiders, this team had super high expectations. And look, they're in second place to their credit. They found ways to win games, but it hasn't been necessarily pretty. Sometimes they get a lucky bounce every once in a while, and that's fine because they find ways to win games. But what has been the overall feeling of the season so far for the Chargers? Yeah, I get, I get this question a lot, and it's a good one because it's, it, it is a, a very interesting season so far for the, for the Chargers. You know, you get a lot of the, the really passionate diehard fans that are very upset. You know, even sitting at 6-5, and five, thinks this team should be a lot better. Uh, they're, they're upset with some coaching, some of the offensive play calling that they feel has been restricting uh, Justin Herbert and others. And then you get the, the more realistic fans that realize, like, Hey, this team has the number one most injured roster in the NFL through, you know, 11 weeks total, and they're still sitting with a winning record. And it's pretty hard to win this league when you're missing your top two wide receivers for, you know, three or four game stretches, when you're missing, you know, the, one of the best pass rushers in the game and Joey Bosa, when you lose your, your star corner that you signed to big money in JC Jackson, when you lose your all pro talent level left tackle and Rashawn yeah. Slater early on. So I think realistically, and that's more where I am, Q, is, you know, this team, it's miraculous to me that this team is 6-5 and five with what they've dealt with. Now, even in those wins, it has been pretty. They have got some lucky breaks, like you, you mentioned. You know, against Cleveland, they, they probably should have lost that game on that ending field goal. Against Arizona, they didn't play great for four quarters. But as they, the old adage goes, you are what your record is, and you're, they're 6-5 and five with everything in front of them for a playoff run. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, again, I don't want to take anything away from them because they are finding ways to win games. And I'll tell you right now, every member of Raider Nation would be okay with being 6-5 and five and saying, hey, <laughs> you know what, they're finding ways to win games. It's not pretty, but they're finding ways to win games. Now, Ryan, you mentioned the injuries and how many they have. Why is it year in and year out that the Chargers, that is their biggest Achilles heel, is always the injuries? It's brutal, man. You know, last year they actually reversed that a little bit. Once they hired Staley, you know, he kind of overhauled the staff a little bit there and changed their, you know, what they did in practice and preparation and their workout programs. And last year they were, you know, especially for the Chargers are concerned, one of their healthiest seasons, you know, in the last decade. And then obviously this year that has not been the case. So if I'm being honest, I think it's just been kind of a stretch of bad luck. You know, that's an easy cop-out answer, but you know, when you look at what happened last year and what's transpired this year, I don't really know how else to explain it because right. every single week it's like, man, they just every game. I mean, against the Niners just two weeks ago, they lose two interior defensive linemen in, in a stretch of three plays, and, and they're done for the season. And then they lose more guys last week, so it's just one of those where the injury bug is hurting them. They are getting some guys back. I know Bosa's still a few weeks away, but Mike Williams should be back very, very soon. And obviously, they had Keenan Allen back last week finally, so. No real explanation, just bad luck, and, and hopefully they can still kind of continue getting over it like they have this far. 
talking all things Chargers right now with Ryan Dyrude here on NSA Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond's got one for you. You mentioned the bad luck, and it seems like the team is snake-bitten and the receivers being out, so many injuries around on this team. So who's been the most consistent player for the Chargers this season? It's a great question. I mean, I mean, outside of Justin Herbert, that's the cop-out, which even he hasn't been that consistent, if we're being completely honest. As great as he is, he's had stretches of, of not the best play, and you could kind of even <laughs> you could still point to injury with that, you know, having the, the torn rib cartilage since week two. But I would say to answer your question, um, you know, you can point to probably – Two players. I'll go one on defense, one on offense. On defense, Drew Tranquil, linebacker, has been arguably the best defender, not named Joey or not named Derwin James, on this team. He's been great in run defense. They've done some really fun things with blitz packages and some disguises and stunts in Staley's defense. That's gotten Drew Tranquil some some big open looks at quarterbacks where he's able to blow them up. So I think he's been really, really good and and a really good bright spot of this defense. And on offense, second year receiver Josh Palmer, I think. A, has been forced to. He goes from wide receiver four on the depth chart entering the year to wide receiver one for essentially a four- or five-week period there because of injuries. Uh, but he's played fairly well. You know, he's a great route runner. He's kind of a, a protege in a sense of Keenan Allen in the sense that he has, you know, really good feet, really quick out of his breaks, um, does have good hands. He's not the biggest, fastest guy, but he, he's really elusive. So he's kind of come up big in year two. And, you know, when the Chargers are able to get back you know, Keenan Allen is back, but when Mike Williams is back and now with the emergence of Josh Palmer, they really do have a good three-headed monster there for uh, Justin Herbert to throw to. You mentioned Justin Herbert and that rib cartilage injury that he had. He didn't have to miss any games for it, but is that something that's still been lingering as the seasons went on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even in a couple of the weeks right after the injury happened against Kansas City, you know, offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi was very candid and said, you know, I've been – this is, he took the blame for it, but he's like, I've been play calling differently because I knew what Justin was going through, and I've been kind of holding him back in a sense of not opening things up because I, I knew the pain he was dealing with and didn't want to force things and force him to bad situations. So I think, yes, it's been affecting Justin Herbert in terms of throwing, but also just in even what the sidelines are doing in play calling. And I think we're finally at a point now these last two weeks where he should be fully good to go, you know, almost four weeks ago he came off the injury report. So by all indications, he's fully healthy. Now, obviously, anyone that knows anything knows he's probably not 100% in terms of uh, pain or whatnot, but he is not on the injury report, so he should be good to go. And I think these last two weeks, last week specifically, 300-plus yards, three touchdowns, we're really starting to see him kind of get back to the healthy Justin Herbert that we know, and that'll certainly you know help down the stretch. Ryan Dyerud is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And let's say roughness now. Uh, the Raider, the Raiders, the Chargers went out and spent a lot of money and, and brought in a lot of defensive guys to slow down the run because that was something that was really plaguing them a season ago. And, well, so far through the year, they've still given up an average of 151 yards on the ground per game. What has gone wrong there? Yeah, it's, it's the million-dollar question that gets asked every week. Um, easy answer. You still have injuries, unfortunately. Austin Johnson, they brought in. You know, he's out for the year. They lose, you know, Atito Abonia to the, to the year. They lose other interior defensive linemen to the year who were brought in specifically for this reason. Uh, Sebastian Joseph Day has been kind of the only one that's been able to stay healthy. Um, but the, the, the more kind of thought-provoking and analytical answer is, you know, a lot of it has just been gap integrity. Some of it's been poor tackling. Um, and, and a lot of that you kind of, you know, we talk about on our show at the time, but a lot of people want to put blame on the coaching staff and this or that. 
And to me, a lot of that's, you know, your veteran leadership and kind of your player leaders that, that really need to lead that defensive unit. And, you know, we, we cover USC. I'll actually be in Vegas here in a couple of days for that nice. tactical title game. And, and Caleb Williams has said many times in press conferences that, you know, it, for great teams, the leaders lead. And that's obviously talking about college football, but I think that stands at the pro level. I just don't know if we've seen that yet from this Chargers defense of players holding each other accountable. When you see James Conner bouncing off four tacklers last week in that game, and, and that's how you stop the run. you got to be sure-handed tacklers and get yeah. out of that and, and really kind of take pride in that. So, you know, we've seen also Joey Bosa, when he played those first two weeks, they were much better against the run. So it shows how important he is just in that aspect of the game, which I don't think he gets enough credit for. So hopefully that helps when he comes back. But, you know, a lot of things that it's listed, and then a lot of it's just, you know, really having pride and, you know, getting the ball carried out, which they haven't really shown as of late. You mentioned Joey Bosa, his running mate uh, was is Khalil Mack. Obviously, they brought him in from Chicago, made the big trade for him. Joey Bosa's been out, but what have you seen from Khalil outside of the week one, where he basically, in my opinion, wrecked the game for the Raiders? Yeah, I was at that game. He he essentially won that game for the Chargers single handedly. So, no, Khalil's been great. It's hard when you lose guys like Joey on the other side. Chris Rumpf has been banged up. They haven't really had. Um, pass rusher two almost all season since Joey went out, at least of a high caliber. So that, you know, allows teams to really zero in on Khalil and, you know, double and triple team him. Um, but still, he's just such a competitor, such a leader that he, he is a true him and Derwin James are the leaders of his defense, of this team. He's not necessarily a vocal leader, as I'm sure maybe you guys know, you know, being yeah. his history with the Raiders early on. Uh, but so respected and everyone just knows he means business, right? Like when it's time to when it when it's time to turn it on, that's when he shows up. When the lights are the brightest, that's when he plays out. So um, he's been a great aspect of his defense. Would love to see it a little bit more in the stat sheet. Uh, not that it's been like a down year by any means, but hasn't been as explosive since that week one. Um, it's been kind of spurts here and there, but definitely at any moment given time, he can really take a game over. And obviously, well, as Charger fans, we'll hope that happens again this weekend. Ryan Dyrud is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And let's say, Rob, just got a couple more questions for you. Go ahead, Damon. You mentioned about the Chargers, about maintaining gap integrity and allowing the rushing, a team, a rushing attempt for the other teams to just succeed. What, what went into the decision to release Jerry Tillery because he, he seemed to be working out for the Raiders? Yeah, that, that was a shocker. Uh, and, of course, he lands with the Raiders and now gets a shot at revenge <laughs> this weekend against a, a depleted offensive line unit uh, with, you know, Corey Lindsley still in concussion protocol and others. So, but he's in a, an interesting talk among Chargers fans and just the Chargers uh, brass in general after being, you know, 28th overall pick a few years ago and has had some ups and downs in terms of has had some good production, has looked like he was kind of coming into his own. And then the release happened out of nowhere. I mean, there wasn't anything that was being said about him or whatnot. And it kind of, the coaching staff, particularly Brandon Slade, just said, hey, we, we realized we were both heading in different directions, was I think how we put it. So I don't know if something happened off the field behind mm-hmm. closed doors. I don't know if it was one where they finally just figured he did not fit with their scheme and system. But, of course, they released him two days later. They lose two more interior defensive linemen to IR. So right. certainly was a, an interesting decision. He hasn't had a fantastic year with the Chargers, but he certainly wasn't the worst player in that defense. And I'm not surprised at all that he probably will work out fairly well for the Raiders as he has so far. So, Ryan, for the Raiders, if they win this game, because obviously the Chargers won in L.A. week one, for the Raiders to find something that the Chargers don't do well that they could possibly exploit and try to win this game, what would that, what would that be? 
Yeah, I mean, I think if uh, Josh Jacobs has another game like he had last week, you guys will win by 15-plus. So <laughs> if they're able to run the ball like they did, like, uh, you know, in that overtime game and, and Josh Jacobs runs wild, then I don't know if the, the Chargers will be able to, to contain that and catch up. The offense has shown spurts of, of really top-notch offensive play, and then they've had other spurts of bottom-tier offense. I mean, they had three points in the third quarter in the last, like, six games total. So um, they're definitely an offense that's, it's up and down like this team. And that's been, honestly, guys, the hardest thing when we cover this team and, and talk about it is just inconsistent. You know, some weeks you're like, this is a Super Bowl contender, and some weeks you're like, this team isn't better than the bottom two team in the entire NFL. So real interesting, but I think the big key to answer the question is if the Raiders run the football and Josh Jacobs looks like he did last week, then, then this could be a long day for the Chargers. Final question for you, and I hate to say it, I'm sure a bunch of people have asked you already, is there really a, a Sean Payton conversation if the Chargers don't make it to where they want to be this season? <laughs> it's, hey, it's the polarizing topic that everyone's talking about. I personally can't see just the way the Chargers organization runs and, and just the history of it. I cannot see them moving on from Staley and bringing in a guy where they're going to have to trade draft capital for, pay top dollar for. Mm-hmm. It's just not the way the Chargers operate. Unless Staley loses out the rest of the season, loses the locker room, and, and something has to be done, and they're able to, to coax him over here. Um, but it's just not the way they operate. And so I just can't see that happening. And, and in reality, you know, the offense that they run is a, is a formation of the, state, or of the Sean Payton offense. So we wouldn't even see a huge change in terms of offensive – um, play calling and schematically, so it would be an interesting thing, but it's certainly a conversation, and it's definitely one that is a real conversation. I just personally can't see it happening based on the history of this franchise. There you go. Well, you know the conversation is out there, hot and heavy. It's one of the hottest topics, and it just kind of blows my mind. It makes me scratch my head a little bit, but we will see what happens. Ryan Dyrud right there, L.A. Football Network, Believe Podcast Network. What do you got coming out that we should be on the lookout for? Maybe get a little bit more insight on the Chargers. And then, look, next week, uh, talking about four days later, talking about the Rams as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Thanks so much, guys. Uh, we got all your four L.A. teams covered out here. So, like I said, I'll be in Vegas for that USC-Utah game on Friday and the Chargers-Raiders game. So, it okay. should be a fun one. And and obviously we got the Rams coming up who have uh, not had a great year, but now we kind of look to the future, and we're going to have fun in the, in the rebuild talk. So so lots of big things coming. All right. Well, hey, check this out. We'll see you in the press box on Sunday, but then we want to double up and, and catch back up with you next week, and we talk a little bit of Rams with you if that's okay. That would be a blast. I'd appreciate that. So looking forward to it. All right, brother. We'll see you on Sunday. Thanks so much. There he goes. Ryan Dyeru, Believe Podcast Network, L.A. Football Network, does a fantastic job covering all the L.A. sports and here with us to talk all things L.A. Chargers. Next week he'll be with us to talk L.A. Rams. 2.45 is the time. Who are you most concerned about in this game Sunday? Going up against the Chargers. Let me know about it. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Question we threw out there to you. Who are you most concerned about in this game Sunday? As the Chargers come to town, you can hit us up. Don'tbebroke.com, text line 69187, keyword r Before we get to any of the text, did want to give you a little bit of a programming update. We were scheduled to have uh, some Josh McDaniel sounds coming up at 3 o'clock. We're actually going to flip-flop that. That's going to move to 3.30. Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports is actually going to join us at 3 o'clock. So we'll get our little UNLV fix in coming up at the top of the hour, and we'll move head coach Josh McDaniels back to 3.30. And, of course, we'll take your calls and texts in the meantime, in between time, at 702-365-9200. And, again, on the text line, the don'tbebroke.com, text line 69187, keyword R&R. Got a text from the 707. 
I hate to be that guy, but from what we've seen all too often, and once again must overcome the one I fear the most in the game, is the refs. Demond laughs. <laughs> Demond laughs. <laughs> no, because I hadn't seen that one yet. Like when you're like, hate to be that guy. I was like, okay, all right, maybe he's gonna be like Herbert's gonna shred us apart or something. I don't know. The dreaded refs. I mean, that's just something you just gotta deal with it, right? It's just something that you gotta accept. That's that's why they don't work me up anymore. Right? I don't get worked up over the officials anymore because it's just a, it's something that's already understood. You know what I mean? It's like you already know what what's what the deal is, and you already know that there's a, a good chance that there's going to be a call that's not going to go your way. But it's already just something that you just deal with, right? I mean, I, I just I can't I can't see myself just complaining and and being and moaning about the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. At some point, it's just like, all right, it is what it is. Just got to be better. And I'm not saying it's right. There's a lot of things in life that ain't right, but you just have to understand and you just got to deal with it. And you know, the Raiders have done a lot of that for, to themselves. Because of years on top of years of undisciplined ball. And then on top of that, it's just, you know, there's the there's the the bias that everyone knows about. You know, there's always gonna be bad calls that go against the Raiders. There's just it's just that. Josh McDaniel said it the other day, and you see he didn't even break stride. He said, We're the Raiders. <laughs> We're the Raiders, right? And so he, he gets it. So that's something that I wouldn't I wouldn't stress too much. You know, just hope that it doesn't affect the game too badly. And if it does, well that sucks. It'll be, we'll talk about it at that point, but at this point, there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing any of us could do about that. So that's why I don't. I don't let that sweat me too much. Yeah. That, I, also, it's a home game, so maybe that'll help out a little bit. I don't. I don't think that the fix is in whenever it comes to the referees and the Raiders. That well, missed you know, call against the Seahawks. It's a bad missed call, but the interception had already been thrown. Right. 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 No. And look, I, I'll tell you this. And it's not that I even think that the fix is in. I just think that a lot of times. Sometimes officials will see something that is not necessarily there. Like they'll see a pass interference. I feel like the Raiders get called a lot for pass interference or or hands to the face or something like that, or like a holding that's not really there. But it's a it's a really good play, and, and they'll just assume because the Raiders are so, so notorious for you know what I mean for for having those penalties. I'm mean, seriously, I like I that's how I look at it. And sometimes I'll even see a really good play, and I'll be like, oh, that's probably going to be a penalty. And then all of a sudden, it's like they'll show the replay. And I was like, oh, actually, it was really clean. Right? I just think that there's more times than not the officials are so ready to call the, the flag because it looks it looks from their vantage point and just you know to the naked eye that oh yeah, you know it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a penalty. I can see how this is gonna shake out. And then even when it's a really good play, it's not. Right? And so it just it, it, it's one of those things that until until they're known for the team that doesn't lead the league of penalties every year, then they're gonna always it's always gonna be like, Oh yeah, but you know that something's about to happen. Right? I mean, that's just, that's just kind of what it is. I'm trained now. Whenever there's a big play, I'm trained to look for the yellow hanky on the field first. Right? Even when Josh Jacobs ran it off, I'm looking back. And, you know, my man Vegas Jess, he, he, he looked over at me and was like, I think Mac Holland should have got called for a, a, a illegal block. You know, it looked like on that play. And, and it did. <laughs> and when, when I saw the replay, I was like, okay, I got what you're saying. I didn't see it at first when Josh was looking. I was just looking for a yellow flag on the field. I'm, I'm just trained to do that now. And I think all of Raider Nation is trained to look for the flag, especially when there's a big play offensively or defensively. It's just like, okay, but, but hold on. Here it comes. Right? So, I mean, it's just it's one of those things. It's part of being it's part of being part of Raider Nation. <laughs> right? You yeah, know, Derek Carr even said it himself after the uh, Denver walk-off. Where it was like, hey, oh, what'd you think? Like, one just once you threw the ball up to Devontae. And he's like, well, first off, I was like, oh, I hope I didn't overthrow him. And then second, I looked around and made sure there were no flags or anything. And then I celebrated. Right, exactly. I mean, again, it's kind of, 
I know no one wants to hear it, but it's kind of the fun of being part of Raider Nation. It really is. I mean, you know, what do we always say? Like, oh, man, hey, we're, all the, we're the bad boys. We're the badasses. We're the ones that, you know, we're the intimidating ones. We're the ones that commitment to excellence, just win, baby. We're the ones that, you know, I mean, like, we say that all the time. And then we look to the officials and be like, oh, but help us out. Right? Oh, don't throw that flag. That's part of it. That's part, was, that's part of what makes the Raiders the Raiders is that you're going to get those bad calls, and the great Raider teams were able to do what? Overcome them. Sometimes you have to do like my, my, my sixth grade uh, Spanish – was it sixth grade? Seventh grade. I think it was seventh grade Spanish teacher, Mr. Cepeda. You have to adapt, you have to improvise, and you have to overcome. He used to say it all the time. And he used to say what it that in do a, about Spanish class? I don't know, but he used to say it in a very deep Spanish accent, and it was very intimidating. And he said it very slowly, so you know he meant business. Mr. Myers, what I need you to do is repeat after me. I state your whole name first and last. And that's how he'd say it. That's what he would say. I promise you. He'd make you stand up in front of class when you – I'm telling you. Dude was a cold piece of work, man. He was a cold piece of work. I state your first and last name. Will come to Mr. Cepeda's sixth grade Spanish one class. And if I have a problem – and he's doing this all slow, and I'm doing this in sentences. I'm following along. I will adapt. I will overcome. Or I will adapt. I will improvise, and I'll overcome. And, like, he made you say that. And it's already bad enough that you don't have what you're supposed to have, and you're already in trouble, but now you look like an idiot because you're standing up in the middle of class repeating what this cat with a deep Spanish accent is trying to tell you. And you don't even know what the hell it means. And how's your Spanish? <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> 256 at the time. When we come back, we'll kick off hour number two of the show. Paloma Villacana will join us. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.